This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. You're listening to In the Workplace on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again are Professor Peter Capelli and Dan O'Mara. Hey, folks, welcome back here in the workplace. I'm Peter Capelli. I'm Dan O'Meara. Uh, this is a show where we talk about things going on at work. Uh, some of this has to do with government stuff, policy stuff. Some of it has to do with the practices that companies are doing. And some of it has to do with just the everyday unpleasantness or pleasantness sometimes, too. I think it's time for us to turn to the topic on our agenda here, which is pay equity and, in particular, the gender pay gap. And uh, a new study done by our Colleagues at uh, PayScale been on the show several times, and um, PayScale has done some calculations as to what the pay gap looks like in 2018, and where it's big, where it's small, all that kind of stuff. So, with us to talk about this is Lydia Frank uh, from PayScale, and Lydia, I've forgotten what your exalted title is there, so you can help <laughs> us. Um, I'm VP of Content Strategy at PayScale. Okay, there you go, great. And are you in Seattle today? I am, yes. Uh, is it fabulous out there? or You know, it's pretty nice. Yeah, uh, we're yeah. finally getting towards warmer weather. Yeah, it's not so nice here. Okay, so we'll skip over that. And let me ask you if you could help uh, listeners understand what you guys do, how you make money, and where you get your data from, because that's an interesting sure. story in itself. Yes. Um, so PayScale kind of sits at the intersection of employees and employers trying to understand fair market compensation for jobs. Um, we help both sides of the table really understand what is the market rate for a given position. Okay. Um, how we generate revenue is, you know, we sell compensation software to employers, uh, and we, on the consumer side, have a bunch of free offerings for individuals to help understand their market worth um, and negotiate their salary. And, uh, and in terms of where the data comes from, so we um, we have a few kind of data offerings, one of which is, is crowdsourced data that um, is coming from people coming to the site, filling out a survey about their job, their employer, um, industry, a number of different factors that impact pay. Um, and we utilize that to create a data set for employers, but we also have offerings that also come from um, employer source data um, as well. And we have products where you can manage um, a number of data sets, whether you use our data or third-party data sets. Um, you can kind of manage it all on one platform. Okay. Uh, so for an individual listening, if they want to find out how much they should be paid, they can go to your website, fill out the form, um, yep. They will. Uh, they'll submit data on how much they're paid, and you'll give them back. Here's how much jobs in places like yours, in industries like yours, pay. Right. Exactly. You go to payscale.com. You fill out a pretty comprehensive survey, um, and we spend a lot of time over the years understanding what um, factors impact compensation the most okay. for. Yep. Um, specific jobs, and sometimes those factors are different depending on the job. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, yeah, so we, we really try to drill it down to people that are very similar to your background and experience in the same type of role, working for the same type of company, same kind of location, um, what is the, the going market rate, so they can really get to a precise uh, pay range. Okay. Do employers hate you? <laughs> because we all don't. their we have oh. sixty five hundred employers who use our software. Because um, because their employees are now showing up with these data saying, "Hey, it's been a 
little bit of a love-hate relationship, uh, okay. I think, over the years. But okay. I think what what kind of the most forward-thinking employers understand is that when employees have a better sense of why they're paid the way that they are, okay, yep. they're more satisfied. So, okay. you know, mm-hmm. when, when they don't actually understand the mechanics behind um, how pay decisions are being made, it leads to disengagement um, and, uh, you know, es- essentially is preventing you from retaining your employees. Yeah. So, Dan, how are you feeling about your serious XM salary? Um, I think it ought to be higher, consider it zero. Dis, you're disengaged, uh, yes. I think, on that one. Yeah. yeah. I think we could show up with a pay scale report and uh, talk to them about that. All right, let's get to the report uh, here. And there's a couple of things in here which are really surprising. So the first thing, let's just get the overall uh, result here. And the overall result is uh, women, on average, make how much less than men? They make 78 cents on the dollar, roughly, um, okay. and that's comparing all men working to all women working in the U.S., so yep. it's not controlling for job, industry, kind of anything that might affect pay. Right, and this is a statistic that we hear a lot. You hear 80%, right, but it's remarkably close to your right. number, and uh, President Obama, among others, um, talked about this a lot, that women yeah. made 80% of what men make. Um, but the point that you're making there is that men and women are often working in different jobs, in different yep. industries, etc. If you look within the same occupation, if you look within uh, the same industry, I guess, um, what's that gap look like then? It's a very small gap. It's it's ninety eight cents on the dollar. Um, I think the caveat there, though, is that it grows over time. So, as women advance in their career, the gap actually um, gets larger. So, okay. by the time you get to the executive role, um, it's ninety four cents on the dollar. Okay, but this is puzzling, right? Because if the average within an occupation within industry, I guess, is ninety eight percent, so that means the pay gap. Comparing sort of apples to apples job, two percent. Uh, yeah. yeah, is two percent was pretty small, and yeah, that gap. Yeah. But the gap uh, gets bigger as yeah. you advance in your career. That must mean that women start out making more money, right? Yeah, you know, essentially that is what it means, that at the individual contributor level, when you look at um, kind of new college graduates, for example, going into positions, Uh the gap is relatively small, um, but, you know, as kind of... um, uh, Negotiations are happening over the years, we don't know their... um, all of the factors that might be impacting it. There's yeah. absolutely studies showing some of some of those that are contributing to it, but you know there could be unconscious bias going on. It mm-hmm. could be women um, asking less frequently. Um, you know, there's a number of, of potential levers, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and so that's why it's it is a difficult. Uh, problem to solve. And, you know, that that gap in particular, that's really what is meant when we're talking about equal pay for equal work is ensuring that men and women working in the same jobs, um, you know, with same experience, same employer, that kind of thing, um, are really making an equitable salary. But I think... I think one thing that gets lost in translation sometimes is that people tend to dismiss that first number to say that the 78 cents on the dollar or the 80 cents on the dollar number doesn't matter. Um, But what I always like to point out is um, a big piece of that is not just 
kind of the men and women are working in different industries or job functions. It also has to do with the fact that women are underrepresented in leadership. Mm -hmm. So when you're looking at gender representation in the C-suite on boards, you know, as founders of companies, um, it's it's pretty startling. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that's a big piece of the conversation that needs to happen, too, is how do we make sure... Um, that that we're addressing that issue. Uh, yeah. Okay. Let, let's just uh, draw a couple distinctions. Um, so when we talk about why women and men are in different occupations, I mm-hmm. think um, generally the view is those are social uh, explanations uh, about the roles that um, young men, young women think there should be in and maybe the roles that their parents push them in or sure. that uh, their schools or counselors or whatever push them in. So I think the the reason that that matters is that if for people who want to bash employers, you know, the 98% figure is more appropriate for employers than the 80% figure, right? Because they're yes not... Yes and no, because I would say with the leadership aspect... A hundred percent, it's on employers to ensure that people have equal ability or equal access to advance within the organization. Yeah. Can I just stop you for a second? You don't get the 90, you don't get to only a 2% gap if there's enormous discrimination going on inside organizations, right? So it is. The 98% gap is is high level across the U.S. I would also say um, it. You know, the the 98% gap uh, is when you're controlling for all those factors, um, uh, you know, within the organization and you are comparing people in equal roles. Yeah. But if you were doing the pay gap at a high level for companies, their numbers are going to look similar to that $0.78 cents dollar, sometimes worse, because of the lack of representation of women at the top. Well, I make sure I got this right. So I thought in your report it says the gap there is 94%. Is that right for top executives? Is that the figure that... In executive you know? roles, when you control for everything. When yeah. you control for everything, right? Yeah, um, but, but that doesn't mean that there's the same number of women in those roles. Okay, Right. Um, so at the very top, uh, we still see a gap, although in fairness to the companies, that gap is closing, right? If you looked at this over time, the proportion of women in top executive roles has grown quite dramatically. So colleagues and I did this study um, in the Harvard Business Review. We've done two or three of these uh, over time, two. And in 1980, there were no women in the top 10 jobs in any of the Fortune 100 companies. And I think the figure at the moment is about 18%, something like that. So it's not 50% for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a, a glass half full, glass half empty thing. And it's probably also fair to say that you know, we're talking there about a few hundred people out of an economy, right? So yeah. um, you know, it matters, um, but you know, it's also – Changing, right? Also, so can't talk pay equity with me without me bringing up one employer that in 2012 or so, 2013, got a lot of attention to a pay disparity. They're paying women 81% of what men got paid. I know. Wait, let me finish. And, but they defended themselves. They said at every level, women are paid comparably to men. At the highest levels, there's a lot of women there. It's just that women are in the, the, 
disproportionately represented in lower paid positions. And their spokesman was a guy named Jay Carney because what employer was this? Oh, this was the Obama White House. Yeah. See, I so knew Obama th- I knew was talking one. about it. Uh, but at the mm-hmm. same time, under his own roof would be things typical of the American economy. One of our our interns is in charge of counting how many times Dan brings up that case. Yeah. Uh, we're in double digits. Case, which, yeah, we're, we're probably in double di- yeah. digits. Okay. Can we move to the rest of the report <laughs> here? And before we do that, we'll just remind people we're talking to Lydia Frank, who's the vice president of content strategy at Payscale. Uh, this comp- uh, it's a company that collects data and um, distributes it about what people are paid and what they should be paid. So, uh, Lydia, let's move on from the overall numbers and get down to the drilling in on the more interesting ones. And the big story, I think, uh, out of your report here, the thing that seems to be the most new, is about unemployment, right? What happens mm-hmm. when you step away? Tell us what you guys found there. Yeah, we found um, specifically that when you have a period of unemployment, career disruption, it absolutely affects compensation and um, has a pretty dramatic effect once you get to um, 12 months or more um, in terms of a career disruption. We also found that it's it's more often women having those longer career disruptions, Mm -hmm. which isn't terribly surprising because we still have um, women kind of taking on the majority of the responsibility for child um, child care uh, and and kind of for family care more broadly when there's a, a parent that needs um, you know uh, caregiving as well it's often women that are taking on that responsibility uh, also um, and so it's it's yeah it was definitely um, kind of an interesting piece of this and I think there's been some other stories that have come out too showing that kind of women during childbearing year, years um, kind of are seeing this this pretty dramatic dip in compensation, um, especially after the first child that that fathers just don't see. Uh, so l- let's drill down on that. But uh, there are two statistics, I guess, and they're kind of related. One, though, is the percentage of job offerings going to people who are unemployed is actually higher for women than it is for men. But the wage penalty when you've been out for women is greater, right? Yep. And I think it's interesting because we did look at kind of why people were unemployed. And we more often saw um, men saying that they were unemployed because either they were fired or they chose to leave versus like women leaving often for caregiving responsibility. So that may factor into a decision too when you're bringing people back into the workplace. Okay. Um, That might be a harder hurdle to get over of, of, involuntarily <laughs> departing um, yeah. your previous employer yeah. versus I took some time off to care for a child. Um, you know, so that that might be part of the impact, but we don't have enough data to kind of drill in on that specifically. Right. So let's uh, think about that one for a minute. So I think across groups, men and women, if you're unemployed, moving to out of unemployment into a job, um, you make 4% less mm-hmm. than somebody who was moving from a job. Right. Um, and do you know the difference between men and women on that one? How much more, uh, how much a, a bigger penalty the women get than men? You know, we didn't, we didn't have that. We weren't able to slice it that finely. Okay. So we okay. kind of, the things we know is that there is the penalty. And we do know that women are more often to be out of the workforce for longer. Yep. So overall, we know women are probably being affected by this 
um, more, just at greater numbers. Well, let's ask Dan, who's working on his junior labor economist Surely. merit badge. Uh, what's <laughs> what's your guess as to why people are paid less if they're moving from unemployment into a job than if they're moving from another job into identical jobs, oh, right? Well, the uh, labor relations or HR guy told me about 30 years ago, you really don't have much bargaining power when mm-hmm. you're not employed. Mm-hmm. So right? mm-hmm. why 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 would they set the wage rate that they're offering you higher because right. they're they're competing against zero? Mm-hmm. Uh, which sounds uh, certainly sensible. I, I think it is – it does kind of counter the view that some people have of companies that they just set the pay – and then, you know, you just get paid for yeah. the job, mm-hmm. that uh, there's a lot of bargaining that goes on over these um, these rates of pay, mm-hmm. too, right? And I think from an em- employer perspective, it is really smart to, you know, be careful when you're um, thinking about how you set your offers. And if you are doing it in an equi- inequitable way where mm, you would point. pay somebody less because they're coming off a break versus not – Kind of what does that do to internal pay equity over time? And ultimately, if you're hiring somebody, whether they had a break or they didn't have a break, you're doing it because you think they're a good fit for the role and you yeah. want them to stay. Yeah. And the cost for having to replace them is high. Yeah. So ultimately, if you try to kind of get somebody at a bargain, it never works out. That's a really interesting point uh, Lydia's making here because um, if you th- it seems perfectly objective, right, to say, hey, we're not going to pay people who don't have jobs as much because we don't have to. But the percentage of those people who are women is greater. Mm-hmm. So you're going to end up uh, paying women less because there are more of them in those circumstances, mm-hmm. right? So, And over time, what's the cost um, in terms of your retention yeah, you know, and having a, to yeah, replace? That's yeah. an issue. And, and let's move one of the last ones here in the study, and this is about employee referrals. Tell us what the difference there is between men and women. What's going on with employee referrals? Oh, yeah. So um, we, we did this interesting study digging in on employee referrals to see how that affected compensation and um, and kind of uh, the the most interesting takeaway around gender and also race and ethnicity was that we were seeing that um, uh, white men benefited from um, employer referrals far greater than women of color, men of color, um, and white women. So let me let me just give folks sorry, Lita, let me just give folks the number on this, and that is women, particularly women of color, are thirty five percent less likely to receive a referral than white men. That's a stunning. When you say we ref- receive uh, like payments for referring no, someone no. in, no, or no, no. or to be referred, referred into a job. For a job. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Somebody refers you into a job, and there's a paid. You make more money if you're referred, uh, and men make more money being referred than women make being referred. So, okay, wow. Dan, what do you think? Why is that? Well, I don't know. One one answer would be it. it um, is a reflection and reinforces the exa- existing power structure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but do people think that way? I mean, that's an outcome. I, well, I, I don't know if they, they have that to way. think that way, but basically yeah. it, it, the, the theory would be uh, white males are more likely to refer white males, and if white males are in positions more, more likely totally. positions of power, yeah. 
Uh, it just perpetuates past inequities. Ooh, Dan's thinking just like a Ooh. sociologist here. It's excellent, Dan. exactly the answer I would have given. Oh, yeah. boy, excellent. <laughs> yeah. However, let's just uh, ask why we bother paying people more if they're referred in than if they come in some other I way. I don't even know that it necessarily happens intentionally. Like what we saw, we... we um, let people tell us kind of a few different ways uh, that they could have entered the the employer, like entered into the talent funnel. Yeah. Um, and it was either they were kind of coming in cold via a job listing. Um, they could have been referred by an employee. Um, they could have come in via an alumni network or a college career center um, via a recruiter, like a recruiting agency. And actually, you made more if you came in via an alumni network work yeah. um, Interesting. and College hmm. Career Center or yeah. a recruiter, mm-hmm. which doesn't surprise me either because the cachet of kind of the school name might be impactful. Um, to, if you if you if you come in from a high state yeah. school, but do you have any schools in mind, Peter? But yeah. I would also <laughs> say the ne- those that have a strong alumni network oh, are likely yeah. to be probably true. more well-known schools. Yep. Yeah, um, that's probably true. Yeah. And yeah. and with recruiters, like they get a percentage of uh, they get a cut, right, for everyone that they're bringing in. So they're mm-hmm. going to negotiate hard for pay. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's interesting, too. But I, for employee referrals, you do make more than if you're coming in cold, for sure. So yeah. rather than coming in via a job listing, if you can connect with somebody at the company, that's that's definitely impactful. But the unfortunate thing we see is I totally agree with you that um, it it highlights the fact that the power structure that's in place is benefiting white men, and it kind of continues to perpetuate that um, because there's not good representation of women and people of color in yeah. positions of power in the workplace. Well, I mean, there might be a functional explanation for why people who are referred make more money, because it's true for women, too. Uh, they just don't benefit as much as for, for men. And that is, it could be kind of a quality screen. And that is the sense that... Uh, you know, um, like a good reference, right? Yeah. Means we take that seriously and we pay you more. Now, here's yeah. here's a stunning uh, statistic, and this is the industry gap. Uh, and that is if you go industry by industry, who's got the smallest pay gap? And, Dan, I'm going to ask you this question wow. because I've got it right in front of me okay. and you don't because <laughs> I printed it out. Ha-ha. Okay. Um, so what do you think? Which, uh, which industry? Smallest would be cosmetics. Well, okay, not an industry. Um, okay. But, uh, good, I thought good. it was. No, it's not. Um, Maybe a sub-industry. Well, g- give me a few and let me pick which would have the smallest. Finance, uh, energy, healthcare, manufacturing, retail, engineering, and science, uh, tech, um, 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 transportation. Re- retail would have the smallest. It is tech. Tech has the smallest? Yes, it does. If After I, everything we've heard about tech in the last pretty year and stunning, half. right? Yeah. Unless I'm missing something, lady. Like I'm reading it upside yeah. down. Is this, is this trying to get in here? I'm like, is this inequalities here. within 
within particular occupations? Because yeah, what's going it's on here? It's a controlled one. It's a controlled. So okay, controlled. Okay, that. We can't just say controlled. Come on. What what does controlled mean, Lydia? What are you doing? It means you're controlling for a job title, yeah. okay. years of experience, all of the things. You know, still, if you're comparing with, comparable workers, still within any job title, the the but disparities would be narrowest within tech. Yeah, but not, that's not the overall percentages. But still, that's striking, that right? Yeah. So in finance, the gap is. Seventy-three percent, and in tech, it is point. Well, the the, the gap is that is women make seventy-three percent of yeah. men, and in tech, women make ninety-nine point five percent of men. Wow. That is pretty stunning, given what we've heard. So, what do you think is going on there, Lydia? Because all these are controlled, right? I mean, you're you're controlling well, yeah, for industry, we, you're controlling for jobs inside there. So, what's going yeah. on? I mean, we show both. Um, we show both uh, controlled and uncontrolled by industry, and I, yeah. I think it's actually kind of interesting that the uncontrolled one, the one that's smallest, is real estate. So, you know, that also demonstrates that more women are probably yeah. in higher paying positions within that industry overall right. Than, right. than some others. But tech, even, even if you look at it uncontrolled, right, uh, mm-hmm. tech is in the middle or 85% yeah. upper end of the uh, smallest gap right so that's pretty stunning right and we do does make you wonder what's uh, what's yeah, going it's kind on of middle of the pack I'd say yeah that's on the upper half of the middle right yeah but the uh, I guess the an issue I suppose is in t- in tech the focus has been more on the numbers rather than the pay per se um, if you think about the stories, it's, it's yeah, how few I mean, women are in thing. tech. There's right? fewer women in tech in general, right? Yeah. Um, you know, we have the BLS numbers here in terms of representation, too. It's like 72% of workers in the tech industry are men. Yeah. Um, yeah. So overall, the industry pays more. Those types of jobs pay more. Yeah. So if you get women working in the same roles as men there, um, the pay gap is relatively you know, non-existent, yep. but there's not very many women there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's, that's an important point too. And I, you know, there was a study that came out that it was reported in the New York times, I think maybe a year, two years ago, showing too, that over like a 50 year span of the study, um, they saw that as men started to overtake a previously female dominated industry, the pay went up, up and yeah. it went yeah. down as women started to yeah. overtake a previously dominated field by men. Mm-hmm. So it's not as easy as saying, oh, it's, you know, by choice that women are going into these industries that pay less. It's like, well, if yeah. they start to dominate the industry, um, you know, in great numbers, uh, we've seen pay drop. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's yeah. some historical reasons for that. For example, in nursing, um, the, the nursing employers in the hospitals used to say there used to be, you know, widespread nursing shortages a generation or so ago, mm-hmm. and the hospitals would say they thought it was inappropriate to raise wages because they thought, well, we're just taking money away from patient care, right? right. So those jobs never started to pay more, and you could see exactly why. And there isn't any doubt that women you know, were tracked into female-dominated occupations like mm-hmm. uh, teaching and nursing, and that that for sure held down wages. It's also true that those were occupations where there wasn't a lot of market competition. You know, healthcare was regulated, yeah, education yeah. was regulated too, right? Mm-hmm. So now Lydia, have you done any comparisons between job positions or employers 
where it's basically the employer that prescribes the pay rate for the employee versus, on the other hand, job positions or employers where it's measured production of the employee that determines compensation. What do you mean? You meant commissions? Okay. Commissions? Well, or yeah, basically, commissions. Are I saw in the, the okay. disparities are greatest, uh, I think, in financial services it was described as. And mm-hmm. financial services is a really broad classification of yeah. all kinds of different employers. But I've seen some employers within financial yeah. services, the stockbrokers, for example, where what a given stockbroker makes, it's not what the boss decides you make. It, they've got okay. a grid. They've got, you know, you've been here X years or your production is this level. You make 42 okay. percent commission or 34 percent commission. But there's great disparities among people all driven by their production. Well, let's ask her. Right. Lydia, what you yeah, got? Yeah, uh, you know, we haven't done that in particular. We actually <laughs> okay. were just talking about that the other day about yep. how we get to better information around bonuses. Well, how about um, sales? Do you know what it is for sales? Jobs. I don't have like a commission okay. kind of gender pay yeah. gap yeah. study, but yeah, I think we're really interested in potentially yeah. digging into that because yeah. I agree. I mean, there's beyond your base pay. I mean, this study actually does take into account total cash compensation. So yeah. it does include bonus commission, anything that they reported on. Right. Um, but I think digging in specifically to mm-hmm. pull out base pay from those other types of cash compensation would be really yeah. interesting. And I think too, you know, at least um, anecdotally, like within industries like finance, you also hear there can potentially be um, factors that are impacting who gets what accounts, who gets, yeah. you know, who gets certain projects. Um, so it it's not always straightforward <laughs> to yeah. completely oh, understand no. like how performance <laughs> is driving sure. compensation. Yeah, I think I, I would sure. guess pay disparities are greater in occupations where pay is a straight-line function of measured production as opposed to – that's just my guess from seeing how different employers operate. Well, I think here's what we can say, and we probably should let uh, Lydia go now, is that all this information is helpful in trying to figure out what's really going on. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the fact, for example, that you see so little gap uh, within equivalent uh, job titles – and there is still a gap across, you know, mm-hmm. overall, tells you something that the big factor is uh, the occupations that people are in for whatever reason, something else we better think about. But on the other hand, this is also something that we should think of as progress, right? It's not, you know, yeah. not everybody likes the fact that uh, this number is not very big, but, you know, come on, it ought to be a good thing, right? Lydia, maybe we should, someday it'll be zero. Yeah. I yeah. hope. Lydia, we should let you go. Thanks yeah, very much for yeah. being with us. Lydia Frank Thank is the much. vice president of content strategy at Payscale. We're going to take a break here and do our own little salary adjustments and come back with you in just a minute. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu. 